When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yesterday's concert is a proud member of the Pantheon Podcast Network. I'm always kind of willing to change my tune, but I would say we're pretty against covering music at a lot of our gigs. We'll do a couple songs here and there, and if we're playing at like a frat party, obviously, we'll cover some songs. But for the most part, I want the takeaway for people to be like, oh, I really liked that song that they played of theirs. And like, obviously, if we play Song on Songs About Jane by Maroon 5, like that's going to be the one you're going to remember because you already know it. Welcome to Yesterday's Concert, a podcast that celebrates live music. My name is Lance Ingram, and in this episode we talk to Susie Heydrich, singer and guitarist for the band Lemons. We discuss the group's formation, songwriting, future, and our shared city, Memphis. Grab your earplugs because you're about to hear your new favorite band. I'm here with Susie Heydrich, singer and guitarist for an incredible upcoming rock band from Memphis, Tennessee called lemons Susie, how are you today i am having a great day no complaints that's the best kind of day right right happy to be alive to get started as we typically do let's do a couple icebreakers just to get to know each other have a little fun so my first question for you you're a memphis-based band is there a specific venue in town that you have not gotten to play yet the new daisy but i would only want to play there if we could pack it out which we're not quite to that level yet i think actually have more confidence maybe the orpheum now that i'm thinking about it Orpheum is a beautiful room. Fantastic. What's your favorite show you've seen there? I saw the band Camino there not too long ago, probably a year and a half ago. That was a really fun show, though. Second question. You guys wear your influences on your sleeves quite literally. It feels like in every single picture I see of you guys, you're wearing a band t-shirt of some kind. Do you have a favorite band t-shirt? I have a Pink Floyd t-shirt that I really, really like. and I probably wear too much. Definitely that one. What era Pink Floyd is it? I don't know, this might make me a poser, but it's like <laughs> Pink Circle, just says Pink Floyd across it. doesn't have an album name on it, though. Okay, so third question. I'm going to preface by saying I hate myself for asking, but it's all in good fun. If Lemons was a dessert bar, would they be a lemon bar or a lemon meringue pie? A lemon bar. Straight and to the point. I like it. All right, so last one. I know you guys are big fans of Backseat Lovers, so which would mean more, opening for them or having them open for you? Ooh, opening for them. I wouldn't even want to follow them up. I'll say it straight. So you're on a global headlining stadium tour, not even arena stadiums. And right. they're like, hey, we want to open for you guys. And it wouldn't be the same. I would say, yes, you can come and play a song with us or close out our show. Like, you'll be the encore. That's incredible. But I wouldn't be able to play after them. I would feel disrespectful. I love the humility. That's so genuine. Way to go, Lemons. Okay, so I appreciate you hearing me out. Those are silly. But so to get into the actual conversation, I want to know a little bit about Lemons. I know you guys have been friends for a long time. Can you go back and give me a little bit of the history of how you guys got together? There's four members, Luke, Aiden, Jackson, and then me, Susie. Aiden, our bass player, we didn't start hanging out with him until a little bit later. But Jackson, Luke, and I 
all went to the same high school and freshman year, our school offered commercial music ensemble, I think is what it's called, which was basically a band class, but it was like a wedding band. Honestly, we got to cover songs. And then we became best friends like in high school doing that, but we never started a band in high school. Jackson and I always practiced together, but we just did cover songs. We had a band, I say with quotation marks, because it wasn't really a band, but called Jupiter Bowl. Aiden, I took where I took guitar at School of Rock. He played bass there. So I knew him from that. And then Luke, he went to church at the same church that Aiden went to. We knew him separately from each other. So we both knew him going through high school. And then my freshman year of college, I went to LSU and still best friends with Luke and Jackson. Aiden was just like a buddy of mine. I wouldn't say like I was best friends with him. And Luke got a cover gig at Lafayette's in Memphis. And so he got Aiden to play bass and Jackson to drum with him. And I wasn't really playing music in Louisiana like I wanted to. I saw they had that cover gig and I was like, well, why don't we just start a band with Aiden and Jackson? And then I moved back right when COVID hit, but I was planning on coming back anyway. And then we started the band after that. How much of that friendship really fueled the desire to want to play with these people rather than other people? You could have had your pick of other people to jam with, but you chose people that are close. How much was that an impact on you? I would say very strongly. Luke has a very busy schedule. And even that being said, like I would much rather play guitar with him than someone who has all the time in the world to just do music all day, just because we get each other's jokes. Like we're all very sarcastic and we have a bunch of running jokes that if I try to joke with other people like that, I don't think they would pick up on what I'm even trying to say to them. I've played with a lot of different drummers and Jackson and I like the same music. We have a very similar music taste, so we get each other in that way. And then being friends too, it's easy to carry each other's ideas down without it being something you take to heart. Because I know we're all friends, but like if I have an idea for a song and it's not good, Luke's going to tell me that versus maybe someone else might not want to step on my toes. Do you think there's ever a fear of overstepping in that friendship then because you are so close? Honestly, I don't. I feel like we've just all known each other so long that... If something happened where one of us doesn't need to be in the man, that's when it would be difficult just because we're friends. But I've never had a thought that I felt like I had to rein in talking to any of them. Aiden takes direction so well and like he gives direction very well. You mentioned that y'all had the covers band in high school and stuff. That seems like a typical trajectory for a lot of the big bands. Like Bruce Springsteen started as a cover band for years and years. How much of that do you think has really played into the songs that you're writing now and just being able to be a band that writes your own music. Very heavily, again, because we would cover songs from the bands we like and pick up on things that they do. Luke and I love Young the Giant. The guitar parts that they write, I feel like just lift up the song instead of trying to be the thing that makes the song. And they're really good about that. And so we cover a lot of their songs and like I'd pick up on the kind of chords that we're playing and just different things in that vein. And then we all figure out what people don't like. Like Jackson and I wanted to cover Blink-182 all the time. Luke doesn't like that kind of music as much. So we found like middle ground, I feel like. How much of the cover songs are incorporated into your sets? I'm always willing to change my tune, but I would say we're pretty against covering music at a lot of our gigs. We'll do a couple songs here and there. And if we're playing a frat party, obviously we'll cover some songs, but... For the most part, I want the takeaway for people to be like, oh, I really liked that song that they played of theirs. And obviously, if we play some song on Songs About Jane by Maroon 5, like that's going to be the one you're going to remember because you already know it. How do you think that's been received by the audiences? That's a pretty bold strategy to come at them with. You're a relatively new band, so people may not know who you are. How have crowds been receptive of that? 
I think if we had long sets, I think it would probably be something that isn't well received, but we keep our sets pretty short because we do like to play originals. And for that reason, I feel like it's gone over well. And also we are big performers. We jump around a lot and stuff. So even if you don't know the song, like I do think the concert is more about the listener than the person up on stage playing. So we've just tried to figure out ways to make it a fun experience for them, even if they don't know it. And I think part of that is being considerate of their time and not playing 10 songs that they don't know. You guys are all graduating college soon. Is that true? It is true. Luke and I graduate this semester and Aiden's a little bit behind us. Jackson's not in school right now. He's just got a different job. So then what is the future for you guys? Are you hoping to graduate, finish up what you're working on and then become a full-time band or what's the plan? Honestly, I think if you asked certain members, the answer would be a little bit different for different people. Mm. I just want to tour and do music full time. Even if we don't have a tour schedule, I still want to somehow figure out a way to do music full time. I know Jackson's the same way. Luke, I think, definitely wants stability and income and stuff, which I totally get. Aiden, his tune's a little bit different because he's still in school. I think it'd be different if we had something lined up. He would switch trajectories, but I guess Jackson and I don't really need the security blanket as much. We're just like gung-ho. And then Luke and Aiden like the security blanket, but would definitely put music as the first priority. Seems like that is really the direction that you want to go. So are you making a big push in band meetings and practices and things like that? Hey, let's book more opportunities. Let's really make an effort here. Yes, I would say so. Are you working on them in any way to change that trajectory for them? Are you going out of your way to try to book more shows or anything like that? Yes. So right now we don't have a manager or a booking agent. So I book all of the shows that we do. So when I book a show, that's the case. In the next couple of weeks or so, I've been lining up a ton of venues to send out emails to and just do right as summer starts, get a tour up and going. And then from there, go backwards and then do it again. It's like going ahead and way in advance, booking like a three-month tour before I know Luke and Aiden are totally on board. Yeah. Unless, of course, someone else were to ask us to open for them. Then we've all agreed that would be a different story, but as far as our own tour. So one of the things that is I think is incredibly great about you guys is that you're a Memphis-based band. Memphis has an odd music scene to it. There's just no way around it. You have Music City, Nashville, three hours down the road from us, but yet you choose to stay in Memphis and continue to make this your base. Is there a reason behind that or is it just how it's been? I would say a lot of it is it's cheaper to live in Memphis, to be honest. And we have family here, so we have more of a support system here. And Luke and I are still in school here. Although, like I said, I would drop out like my last semester if we had a tour coming up. But honestly, I could see us moving to Nashville, not in the immediate future but in the future just because like you said the music scene here is a little bit weird from our experience i don't think people enjoyed staying out super late here i don't know it's so spread out too i mean you have collierville germantown east memphis downtown memphis it's just weird here i went to a show at growlers a couple monday nights ago and were it not for the two opening bands there would literally have been nobody in the audience it was just an incredibly odd scene and i feel like that's becoming more common in memphis sadly than it used to it be is. when a band comes through and asks us if we'd open for them my experience has been 100 percent of the time like if they're not from memphis then they won't really bring anyone and you have the brook and the bluff are coming here they'll sell out growlers i'm sure but as far as the like mid-tier people who maybe bring in a bunch of people in Birmingham and Nashville, 
Yeah, it's a weird. I don't. I love the city, but even like Lizzo, she's playing at the arena, and I was looking at tickets the other day, and it's like barely half sold out. And she's a huge name; it doesn't make sense. So, it's a really weird city. How much of that factors into wanting to move to Nashville? Aside from just the fact that there's tons more opportunity in Nashville than Memphis, is that a factor in that decision or that hope? There's a few things with Nashville. So I have family there too. And I've lived in Memphis a while other than a couple of times I moved away. So there is me just like wanting to move somewhere after I graduate. But the biggest thing is just people going to shows in general and the community of musicians. Like I know a handful of people who have moved there and just met really cool people who have helped them out. It seems like you guys are on that precipice of taking the next step, at least from looking at your streaming numbers. You put out a new song a couple of days ago, and we'll talk about that more in a second. But I've been watching your monthly numbers literally grow just over the weekend. Moving to Nashville or something like that really will help you take the next step. So the question is, unaware has a quarter of a million streams it's got to feel pretty good right it is super cool i get more excited if we play a show and there's a bunch of people there like 50 people there than that but i would say it feels like a pretty cool accomplishment especially considering it was literally from one of the videos that i posted and then spotify their discover weekly picked it up So that was really cool to just have one of those really help us grow a following. That was something I've noticed with you, especially is you make pretty much a daily video. Is that accurate? Like that you post onto the Lemons account. So do you see a lot of kickback in listeners whenever you make a post like that? It depends. So I'm, I do post every day because I don't know. I just feel like consistency is key with this kind of stuff. And let's say I post every day for a month. Sometimes a bunch of those videos will do well. And sometimes two of them will do well. And sometimes one of them will do well. So it just depends. It is hard thinking of different ways to grab someone's attention in a video without just playing the song. Because we do only have 10 songs, so I can't play the same 15 seconds of a song every time I get on there. And I don't want to be spammy either. It's just trying to be creative with it. You mentioned it earlier about just the humor that you have within the band. It seems like there is a bit of self-deprecating humor to the posts that you're making. It's often like you posted one the other day about calling out a hipster for the least known song in the band's discography. And you're like, all of our songs are like that. It's a good, genuine take, in my opinion. Is that something that you're like, let's just do this for now because this is where we're at as a band? Or how do you approach those things? I think if we had blew up, I wouldn't make that video anymore. But I think it's always fun to poke fun at yourself as long as it's nothing that's really hurtful to you or anything. I think we have good music, but I'm not going to lie. We're not the biggest band in the world or anything. And I feel like a lot of people can relate too. Sometimes it makes me laugh to myself when someone puts out a song and they have no following at all. And they're like, the wait is over. It's finally yours. And that's like, there's no one waiting yet. You know what I mean? Yeah. So just poking fun at that kind of stuff too. I think it's pretty fascinating too. That's how I found out about you guys is from the Instagram algorithm. And I live in Memphis. You guys play around town fairly often. And I literally never heard of you until the Instagram algorithm. And it was one of your funny videos that really caught my attention. And that's what I was like fascinated by. Do you plan these out like every day or do you just have a back catalog of them waiting to go out? Or how do you keep up with one a day? Honestly, I just think of them. I'm pretty weird. I just sit myself in silence. If I'm walking to class, I usually don't have music playing. I'm just thinking of stuff. It's a little bit of that. And it's also a little bit of before TikTok blew up right after it became musically and I graduated high school. I got really bored over the summer and I started making skits on it. My beginning skits are horrible, but it did get me better at editing them. So I already had that skill, like coming into when we started putting out music. 
And some of my ideas I just had for skits back when I was making skits, I figured out a way to reform them into applying to music. Your TikTok, you have several million viewed videos, correct? I do. I have a few. How has that affected the band's viewability and how many people are aware of your band? Do you think it's a lot because of that? I think so. I think probably the people who originally followed me are like annoyed that I'm posting all these kind of videos. But I made us a band TikTok and I just recently, like a month ago, started posting on it every day. It's only got like 500 followers. So I would say definitely a lot. I can't get over a thousand views on that versus like my other TikTok. That's not really the case. How important is it for a young band to be posting on platforms like that today? It seems like that's the only way. Like I said, that's how I found out about you guys. How important is it for a young band to do stuff like that now? I think... It depends. In the case of us, I believe that we're really good songwriters and I think we write well together, but I don't think any of us have a voice that's just going to knock someone off their feet. And also too, like we don't play live as much as some of the other bands. Like some other bands are just picking up and touring three months out of the year going city to city. So if you're not doing that, then I think it's like very vital. Otherwise, like how are you going to reach anyone anywhere? But I don't know. I mean, Noah Khan, I've been listening to him forever. And then he just had a TikTok do well a few months ago. And now everyone knows who he is. But I guess it also depends on your goal. Some people would have been fine with his other level of success. But then now he's gone up a whole tier. Do you ever feel a David and Goliath situation with every single band is posted on TikTok and all these different creative ways? Do you ever just feel like it's a losing battle because there's so much noise going on? Definitely oversaturated. That's for sure. And also like I'll come up with an idea and then someone else will post it and it'll do better than when I posted it. But that being said, even though there's tons and tons of bands posting all the time, there aren't as many bands who post consistently for an extended period of time. I think those bands cut through more like Crooked Kings is another band. They post these TikToks all the time that everyone posts, everyone posts them. But theirs do well because they post them every day and and they have good music, obviously. But I think that's the biggest thing that sets apart. And then there's dumb luck. Like some people just blow up. But for the people who don't, I think that's a big factor. Do you ever get frustrated that you're having to do all this additional work instead of just focusing on the creativity of songwriting and making music? But instead, you're having to focus so much of your time on marketing? Sometimes. But honestly, I have fun doing it a lot of the time. Like I'm an advertising major, so it's an interest of mine already. I would much rather just be recording and writing music, but I think it's fun. I've always liked writing skits and dumb comedy. I enjoy comedy. It's not as big of a passion as music, but it's still something that I enjoy. The only thing I get sick of is social media specifically. I don't like getting on Instagram all the time and TikTok all the time. How toxic is that? Do you get a lot of really bad DMs of like your music sucks and stuff like that? Do you ever have to deal with that mental anguish or anything? Not a ton right now. I'm sure the time will come, but usually stuff isn't directed at our music. Sometimes I'll just annoy people, but I had been making the videos before, like I said, making skits on my TikTok. And initially, like I had one video in particular where I was being dead sarcastic no one picked up on it or it wasn't funny or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I had a lot of people duet it and saying stuff to it. And that really irritated me. But then by the time that was over, because it went on for two weeks, it made me like a little bit more desensitized to it. I'm sure there's things people could say. And there are things people say that upset me, but your music sucks. That doesn't really bother me because I like our music. It would have to be something specific, I feel like, to really get at me. So 
let's talk about some of your music. So listen to Lemon's EP. It came out last year. There's three songs in particular on it that I want to discuss. And so the first one is Cynical Mind, which is the opening track. So tell me about the writing of that song. Tell me about the history of it, how it came to be. I wrote that song on my acoustic guitar. I didn't have the same chords that we have worked out on it. And it was really poppy the way I had it, which I wasn't really drawn to. Lyrically, it's about someone I know that is just super, super negative about everything. When someone's super negative, I feel like it just brings everyone down around them and they just don't want anyone else to be happy. So that's what it's about lyrically. And I really wanted to work on it. So I showed it to everyone and no one was really feeling it because, like I said, I had like super poppy acoustic. So after I listened to a track by this guy named Hastings, he's like a pop kind of rock, I guess, artist from the band Camino's opening tour is how he got big. He had a song, I think it's called blank me that had going into the chorus a guitar just by itself and that gave me an idea for how i wanted to make it more rocked out so then i just went and did a whole thing on garage band of like first verse to chorus brought it back to him and then jackson really liked it and then we just worked on it from there so you mentioned coming in with a little more pop flavor on that song is that kind of how you typically write songs is that more your flavor was that kind of an anomaly what's your approach more so when you're writing it just depends. It's very random for me. Sometimes if I'm having writer's block, I'll look up happy type beat on YouTube. I'll just sing over something and give me an idea and then I'll go over to my guitar and switch it. Sometimes I'll just be playing acoustic and I have a melody with nonsensical words. Sometimes I'll have words. It's just all really random for me. What is your approach to songwriting? Are you sit down and focus on it once a day, once a week, or is it more let the muse come to you? What's kind of your approach to writing songs? I've had different seasons where it's been different. I had a bad habit of getting super obsessed with it, where it's like I spent way too much time in my room. So I've broken that habit a little bit. If I have something I really want to write about, I'll put in my notes. So I have notes of a bunch of things I want to write about. And then I sit down and I play acoustic guitar usually, and then I'll come up with the melody I like. And then I'll go back and look at my notes about something I want to write about. And then I'll put words to the melody that I liked that I thought of. You talking about that super obsessive time in your life. What was that like? You were in a dark room 24 hours a day writing songs. Tell me about that period for you. Well, it wasn't a dark room. When I was at LSU, this is right before we started the band too. I'm sure in high school, I also wrote a little bit too much sometimes, but at LSU, I skipped a lot of my classes just because I would go to the piano room and just sit in there all day and try and write songs. And I did that for like two months, way too much. I was just inside too much. I'm someone who likes to be outside and I like being active and I was not doing that, but I just had a lot of like song ideas and I was really liking, I was learning piano too. I just tend to hone in on certain things obsessively sometimes. So the next song I want to talk about is What Do I Know? It's a softer, slower song. The thing that I like about it, it's a great song. It might be my favorite, but I like what it does to the EP. The first couple of songs are a little bit faster. They're a little bit heavier. This song kind of breaks it up a little bit and gives the album a little more roundness and character to the EP. Can you tell me a little bit about that song? That was the first song that we ever co-wrote lyrically, Luke and I. He had a picking part acoustic, and then he had an idea for the end of the song. He just wanted it to have a hook at the end that goes, what do I know? And that was like his idea. Luke is very good at structuring songs and he's really good at reworking chords. But at the time, he's definitely worked on it more since then. But at the time, he didn't really write lyrics for many things. From there, we just started writing it and it changed a lot. Like he and I, 
we're writing it at his house and we wanted it to be like you're walking through the day so the idea was this person's walking through the day they're having a rough day and this person just makes the day better and then right as we got towards the midpoint of we worked on the words for this for so long because i would write lines and then i'd show them to him and be like eh maybe not so we do it like line by line because we were trying to make it good and then towards the end of it, he met a girl that he really liked, who's his girlfriend now. He's been dating her since. The song ends with a verse. That last verse is about her specific. So it's kind of interesting because the beginning of the song, we didn't really write it with her in mind, but it ended up morphing into something being about her. As a band, we had booked our first gig for Lemons and we wanted to play it. And we we're like, we have to add instrumental to it. So it morphed a lot over time too. Like my guitar part changed a good bit from when we started playing it to when we recorded it. Do you guys typically write collaboratively or is it more individual? Because that was kind of what you were talking about in the first song. You wrote that one. How do y'all divvy up the songwriting responsibilities? I write a lot of songs. So I'll write a song and then I'll show it to them. And then either I'm really adamant that I really want to work it out or it's one that other people are vibing with. I'll show it to them and then we'll go backwards from there to adding instrumental and then maybe add a guitar solo in here that's the part we've been doing collaboratively although if luke's singing a song it's the reverse he'll come in with a guitar part worked out usually and he'll want the instruments to be like this and then he wants me to help him with the melody and the lyrics yeah and then there's an exception with a couple of songs like unaware i ended up doing that one on garage band but i didn't write aiden's bass part he went and thought of it but i knew where i wanted everything to be in like that specific one how do you decide who sings the song luke sings this one because you do a lot of the lead vocals as well so how do y'all decide that process honestly we've been talking about we want to start incorporating more like both of us singing stuff but so far it's been who's written it the songs i've been singing have been songs that i wrote the lyrics and melody to we worked on the songs luke's been singing are the ones that he had the idea that he wanted a song to end with what do i know so that mm -hmm. was like his idea that sparked it. So he sang that one. Who does the electric guitar solo towards the end of the song? Was that you or him? And what do I know? Yes. Yes, that's him. I just got to commend that guitar tone is just beautiful. I was listening to it today. And I was like, holy cow, this guitar tone is so lush and just creamy. I love that sound. We will love you for that. Luke's the tone guy. He's very, he likes sounds and things. Tone goes so much further than a lot of people realize. I think a good guitar tone will really make a difference on a song so the last song from the ep that i want to discuss is dna it's a heavier song i've noticed you've used it a lot in your videos to kind of promo tell me about that song so that song is one of the only songs that lyrically it's not really about anyone specific or anything i wrote it in high school i wrote the bass like hook thing i wrote the verse and chorus and everything in high school but it had completely different lyrics mm -hmm. so those were the lyrics and i showed it to jackson and he really liked it so we like tracked it way back in high school on like GarageBand. And then when we were putting more songs together, uh, it came together really quick because it was pretty much done other than they decided they had the idea of tacking on a guitar solo at the end. Yeah, it came together really quick. It's about a toxic relationship, but I've never been in a toxic relationship. I have a good boyfriend. I think of the stuff that I wrote in high school and I'm sitting to this massive cringe and just want to leave the room in embarrassment. It seems like you're pretty proud of what you did in high school. How are you so advanced at songwriting in high school that you're not afraid to put these songs out there? I cringe really badly at my voice memos of it. 
I <laughs> I, I hope to God I've gotten better at singing because oh my god, if you heard what was in my phone. But also it's because I make the lyrics different. Like mm-hmm. I, I think that was a good melody and like a good baseline and idea, but then I listen to the lyrics I make absolutely no sense at all from my voice memo from freshman year or sophomore year. I'm not a big lyrics guy, like quite frankly, and I've talked about this on the show before. I prefer the melody. Like I that's why I like a lot of instrumental music is just because I'm hearing the lyrics as just another instrument in the mix. It doesn't it just melts together that way. And I think there's a lot to be said for a powerful lyrical melody because it does do something to the song that people again, like the guitar tone, it's just one of those subtle things. I can really make or break a song, in my opinion. So you put out a new song last week, Wouldn't Change a Thing. Tell me about that one. That one's a great one as well. Thank you. So we got the opportunity to record these three songs at a nice studio. And this guy named Matt mixed them in the studio with us. So we got to be like really picky about how they sounded and like tones and everything. So this was the first time we've gotten to do that. And same with the next two songs we're going to put out. So Luke sings this one. Luke wrote it. What do I know? We really co-wrote together. But this one, I would say he did most of the legwork on. But he had this guitar part for it, the part he plays in it. Mm -hmm. And he didn't have a chorus worked out. So we just worked from there. The whole song we wrote as a band, I would say. It's one of the first that we put out that as a band we wrote like start to finish. Where does writing this song fall into kind of when y'all wrote it? Is it fairly recent? Yes, it is recent. I think we started it in October and then we recorded it in the beginning of December. The reason I say that is because from my perspective, I can tell the dynamics of your songwriting have improved in that song compared to some of your older stuff. How do you feel that the dynamics of your songwriting have grown since you've begun this band up until wouldn't change a thing? I would say as a band a lot, because I think we have a better understanding. Well, me personally, I have a better understanding of what it means to a song to put a lot of thought into a guitar part for it Mm -hmm. or to the structure of it because originally when i wanted to start doing music i was like i have this song written it's ready to go i didn't mm-hmm. think about the fact that there are so many different chords you could put underneath it how important it is to have like moments of silence and then mm-hmm. loudness dynamics working together um so speaking for myself i would say i've grown a lot i think luke has always had a really good understanding of that sort of thing aiden's just really good at his instrument like aiden's just good and jackson's very much about tightness like he likes to practice all the time he wants to be tight so i would say instinctively all three of the guys have had a better grasp of that than i have going into it and then now i feel like it's very important and then just our dynamics playing together have gotten a lot better i feel i was curious you talking about he wanting the band to be tight and to sound better. Is there a looseness to the live show that you kind of allow some flexibility to that? Or is it more, hey, let's play it like it is in the studio? So we don't play exactly like it is in the studio as far as structure and stuff, but we want it to be like, first song, we just go on and we start playing it. Like this intro we worked and it goes straight into the second song. And then if I'm talking, we've worked out that this is going to be playing underneath me talking. It's not just going to be silence. But we like to have everything thought out. But tightness in the sense of if there's a jam in a song, like Jackson wants to know that it's going to be this many bars. Like he doesn't want it to be willy-nilly. So y'all are not going to go in a Grateful Dead or Fish direction anytime soon is what I'm hearing. No, unfortunately, no, I don't think so. Would you like to jam more? It sounds like you want to jam a little more. I like to jam. I agree, though, that there needs to be some sort of signal of when you're doing X, Y, Z. But yes, I do. I could 
solo forever. I encourage you, next band meeting, tell them yesterday's concert said we need more jams. Full on Grateful Dead this. <laughs> As we finish up, I want to know, you got. You said you have two more songs coming. Can you tell me a little bit about when those are coming? As far as a when, it's just going to depend on the lifetime of wouldn't change a thing, I think. like We have a music video for it that we're going to put out. Mm-hmm. And then I would say the earliest two months of wouldn't change a thing maybe three depending and then the next song same deal depending on how this other one does i think they're all really great songs though so hopefully not not for another two months so it seems like you're playing the singles game when it comes to releasing songs is that accurate yes is there a specific strategy and reason behind doing that instead of just releasing an album first of all budget we don't have the budget to just go record an album but second of all i feel like at the place that we are in the size that our band is, it would be more for us to put out an album than it would be for the listener. I think it would be a lot to ask of someone who's maybe not fully on board with us, go listen to 12 songs by us that we put out versus this one single. And then maybe that ropes you in and then whichever one's the one, then maybe we get to put out an album. So I'd say it's more for like the listener themselves not testing their patience what's on the docket you're trying to work up a summer tour you got some songs in the bucket you're going to get the guys on board to finally drop out of school and go on tour (laughs) what do you think the future is for lemons how are you feeling you know there's no way to really know but i would say i think a tour is definitely in our future over the summer and i'm definitely looking to move more into nashville maybe not this next year but the next but honestly in the future i feel like opening for a big band is what's up next for us i like it i can see that that makes a lot of sense not this single doing but i think the next two i think they're all really good well i wish you guys the best of luck i don't say this just half-heartedly i really do see a lot of potential in lemons and i think you guys have a really bright future so keep up the good work y'all are doing great i love to see it so i appreciate you chatting today Thank you so much. I appreciate your time. Thanks for listening to another episode of Yesterday's Concert. Thoughts? Similar experiences? Disagree? Let us know on Twitter, Instagram, and even TikTok. Or you can email us at info at yesterdaysconcert.com. If you're feeling kind, give us a review on Apple Podcast. Otherwise, until next time, give us a subscribe check out our website yesterdaysconcert.com and most importantly take care of your shoes it's nfl draft season and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett.
Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any fantasy points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 